Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> Let me do that again. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Go. Okay. Wolfman's got nards. <laughs> What's up, watchers? In today's episode, we'll explore what happens when a group of ordinary kids take on the greatest super group of classic movie monsters the world has ever seen. And there's nothing quite like putting the fate of the world in the grubby hands of prepubescent children. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, go load yourselves up on Twinkies and soda, because it's time for the 1987 cult classic, The Monster Squad. to the Midnight Watch Podcast, the show where we discuss classic, cult, and modern classic movies. We're your hosts, Josh and Jeremy, and we try to review movies that are at least 10 years old and see what kind of impact they made or are still making on culture and the film industry. We are heavy on spoilers here, so if that's not for you, go ahead and pause this, watch the movie, and then finish the episode. We rate these movies in four categories. Number one, the level of impact and success it had when it was released. Number two, how relevant is it today? Number three, our own personal enjoyment of this movie. And number four, is it a midnight watch? All right. I'm going to go ahead and jump the gun and say it, but this is such a fun movie. It's truly a little-known gem, at least not on the, the mainstream, I think. But before I go on and on about how much people need to see this movie, can you give us some quick facts to get the ball rolling? Yes, quick facts. What a one. Let's see here. Uh, it was directed by Fred Decker who isn't really known by anything except for his other cult classic movie, Night of the Creeps. Have you ever seen that? I haven't. I'm, I know what it is, but I've, that's the one I missed. Well, that movie came out before this, and there's a cool thing. like In one scene, uh, when the mutant slugs or whatever are crawling across the bathroom, on the back you can see in graffiti the, somebody wrote The Monster Squad, so he like tagged something for his own next movie, which is pretty cool. That um, is. So he, was, he went to the... the Let's see, he was in the same college with Shane Black, actually. And so Shane Black and him wrote this story together. Um, Shane Black has done all kinds of stuff. He wrote the screenplay for Lethal Weapon. He wrote and directed Iron Man 3. And then the awesome movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He wrote and directed that. I do like that movie. Right. And then I think his newest movie was with Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe. And I'm totally just blanking on the, the oh, nice that guys. Buddy? Yeah, yeah the nice I guys. say that kind of buddy cop. But they're not buddy cops. They're no, they hate each other. Are they hate each other? No, they're cops. But um, that movie is actually really funny. Like it's like a love, a love hate kind of situation. Right. So terrible Starsky, terrible Starsky and Hutch. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, And then let's see here. So this movie, there's a lot of information about this movie. This is our first cult classic movie that is a legit cult classic. Like it bombed when it first came out. Yeah, um, it had a budget of twelve million dollars, and it made three point eight million dollars. So, yeah, it it died <laughs> it died hard. <laughs> so, right. Yeah, and so with this though, they they basically a lot of people thought that it was a a ripoff of the Goonies. Yeah, it's kind of yeah, funny. Which which is what I actually love about it. It's it's the Goonies, but with monsters. It's right, like the classic. It's so, yeah, it's corny. Movies. It's corny, but I love it though. It's oh, so good. Right. And then let's see what else we got here. Uh, this movie was only in theaters for two weeks. Oh my gosh! Like that's that nothing. That means like they couldn't wait to get rid of it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it looks like basically, I mean, 3.8 million. So normally, I don't know what, how many theaters they got into, probably like 1,200 theaters at least or something like that. So it made almost no money and then left. And then nobody basically, it, it became a really cult classic movie up until I think it was like 2010 or something when they released it on Blu-ray. It's like the special edition. And then that's when more it kind of became more of a popular movie around Halloween. But before then, it was like all word of mouth, very cult right. classic type of stuff. Right. And I'm sure one, the I'm sure the VHS floated around, but right. probably not much. And so it's basically one critic said that it was a bad version of our gang in a horror movie. <laughs> so that's the little rascals. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty awesome. We yeah. have here uh starring we've got Andre Gower, Ryan Lambert, Ashley Bank, Tom Noonan, Duncan Rager, Robbie Kiger, we have Brent Shalom, Michael Fastino, and Steven Mach. I think that's how you say his name. So, or mock. yeah, I don't know. Mock Mach. Okay, I don't know. let's hear about that synopsis, Josh. All right. So the breakdown, of the plot, once again, comes from Wikipedia. The Monster Squad is a club of pre-teenagers who idolize classic monster movies and their non-human stars. They hold meetings at a treehouse in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Club leader Sean Crenshaw, whose younger sister Phoebe desperately wants to join the club is given the diary of legendary monster hunter Dr. Abraham Van Helsing. But this excitement abates, his excitement abates, when he finds it is written in German. Sean and the rest of the monster squad, his best friend and second-in-command Patrick Rhodes, clumsy overweight Horace, tough older kid Rudy, and little Eugene, go to visit an elderly man known as the scary German guy, who's actually a kind gentleman and a former concentration camp prisoner. And they get him to translate the diary. The diary describes in great detail an amulet that is composed of concentrated good. One day out of every century, as the forces of good and evil reach a balance, the otherwise indestructible omelet, omelet, amulet, <laughs> boy, you don't know this omelet is amazing. I was going to say, it, changes, it changes the balance of my, <laughs> that's it, I'm hungry. Okay, so the amulet becomes vulnerable to destruction. With the next day of balance happening within a few days at the stroke of midnight, the kids realize they must gain possession of the amulet and use it with an incantation from Van Helsing's diary to open a wormhole in the universe and cast the monsters into limbo. As shown in the film's prelude, prelude, good lord, I can't talk tonight. Van Helsing had unsuccessfully attempted this one had attempted this 100 years ago in order to defeat his old adversary Count Dracula. His apprentices then emigrated to the United States to hide the amulet where it was out of Dracula's immediate reach. Nevertheless, Dracula seeks to obtain the amulet so that he can take control of the world and plunge it into darkness. To his to this end, he assembles several of his most dangerous and monstrous allies. The Mummy, the Gill Man, the Wolf Man, and in addition, three schoolgirls. Uh, oh, those are their na actual names. Never mind. Three schoolgirls who the Count transforms <laughs> in, into his vampiric consorts. Good Lord, what is up with me tonight? I should have drank more coffee. Dracula <laughs> then steals a crate from a B-25 Mitchell in flight containing Frankenstein's monster, thus completing his army. However, Frankenstein's monster is reluctant to aid Dracula and wanders into the forest where he encounters Phoebe. Rather than being afraid, she shows him the kindness he has always sought and they become friends. 
After Phoebe proves to the Monster Squad that Frankenstein's monster is not evil, he chooses to help the boys instead of Dracula. The Wolfman, when reverting to human form, is a recalcitrant follower of Dracula and has been making calls to the police about the forthcoming carnage, which are dismissed as prank calls. The amulet is buried in a stone room beneath a house that Dracula and the other monsters now occupy and where Van Helsing's diary was found. The secret room is littered with wards, which prevent the monsters from taking it. The monster squad break into the house and acquire the amulet and narrowly escape Dracula's grasp. They confer with the scary German guy, who informs them that the incantation must be read by a female virgin. As midnight approaches, the squad makes their way to a local cathedral to make their last stand. Meanwhile, Dracula destroys their clubhouse with dynamite, drawing the attention of Sean's father, police detective Dell, who has been charged with investigating the strange occurrences in town, as caused by Dracula's cohorts, but remains quite skeptical about their supernatural causes until he sees Dracula in person. Now, unfortunately, the doors to the cathedral are locked, so the incantation must be read on the stoop, leaving the squad vulnerable. They enlist Patrick's beautiful elder sister, Lisa, to help them, as she is the only virgin they know. However, the incantation fails since Lisa is uh, actually not a virgin anymore. As the monster squad closes in, or as the monsters close in, the squad deduces that Phoebe must complete the task of opening the portal, and the German guy attempts to help her read the incantation as the rest of the squad fends off the monsters. In the ensuing battle, Dracula's consorts, the Mummy, the Gill Man, and the Wolf Man are defeated. Dracula arrives to destroy the amulet when Frankenstein's monster intervenes, impaling him on a wrought iron cross. Phoebe finishes the incantation, opening the portal, which begins to consume the bodies of the monsters. Dracula, still alive, attempts to drag Sean in with it. Sean impales Dracula with a wooden stake as Patrick grabs Sean before he can be sucked into the portal. Then, Van Helsing appears, having briefly escaped from Limbo, gives a thumbs up to Sean on a job well done, and pulls Dracula to his doom. As, Frankenstein, <laughs> as Frankenstein's monster is drawn into the portal, Phoebe holds on to him and pleads for him to stay, knowing he doesn't belong to Earth. Frankenstein's monster lets go of Phoebe's hand, but accepts her gift of a stuffed animal to remember her by. The portal then closes, ensuring the world's safety. In the aftermath, the United States Army arrives on the scene, having received a letter from little Eugene earlier on, asking for their help against the monsters. When the confused general fails to make sense of the situation, Sean steps forward and presents the man with his business card, identifying himself and his friends as the Monster Squad. Yeah, so I want to like jump right into it. Like a it. He actually did some good swagger on the end when he's like, the Monster Squad. And you're like, oh, oh it's, okay. This movie is chock full of swagger and bravado by these kids. I mean, they, they do not lack for confidence most of the yeah, time. Yeah, they do. They do a really good job. I think the only person that I recognize out of this is like one of the one of the bullies. He's the older yeah. brother from the Wonder Years. And yep. He's in a ton of terrible movies. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yeah. So right off though, like the thing that was funny, like when Van Helsing shows up at the end and gives him a thumbs up. My my wife is like sort of watching this movie as I'm watching it, and that's the one thing where she was like. He wouldn't know how what that means, <laughs> and so <laughs> thumbs up from like a hundred years ago. Right, so, or more. That was pretty funny. <laughs> it is, dude. This so there's so many so many laugh out loud moments in this movie. Right. All right. So okay. Bef- before, before we forget. We, yes, exactly. Oh, we we both remember it. All right. Hey. This is, 
This is We're a Christmas closer. miracle. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Halloween miracle. It is. So, okay, where were you when you first saw this? So, I saw this about six years ago, seven years ago, on uh, mm. my old work movie club, our Sunday Sundays of movie marathoning. And, Sunday uh, fun day. Yeah. So, it was probably during a Halloween one year that we, uh, or, you know, an October, and we were just cranking through all sorts of fun horror movies so this was one and i i had heard of it as a kid but i'd never seen it uh obviously with with monsters in it you know that was a that was a no fly right movie for sure when we were kids dude i had never heard of this movie until i literally saw it released on dvd and i was looking at it and i was like monster squad i was like wait is this a new movie and i was checking the date and i was like what this movie's old from the 80s i was like right. i never heard of this movie and then i didn't see it for like several more years so it was two years ago, um, my wife and I sometimes watch horror movies uh, together on Halloween. And so I was like, let's watch this movie. So we started watching it and I guess we just weren't in the mood for it because we, I think it might've been the third movie we were watching or something like that. Cause I, and anyways, both of us though were like freaking bored and we were like, want to do something else. So I did not finish this movie actually. And okay. then... Yeah, and so then when we decided to pick this, I thought I was, like, going to be bored out of my mind. So I had, like, stuff ready to do, like, while I was watching the movie. And it totally kept my attention this time. So I, I think, too, huh. though, is I was expecting it. I was expecting it to be something that it wasn't. It's a lot cheesier than I was expecting it to be. For some reason, I thought it was going to have, like, a great backstory with all the monsters. But it's like, no, there's no backstory on any no. of the monsters. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean... The thing is funny too is like the Hammer films they didn't they couldn't get the copyrights to get the designs from the Hammer films so all of the yeah. monsters look slightly different from the yeah. Hammer films. That's why they can't say creature from the Black Lagoon. They saw, they call him Gillman. And right. so and then like the Wolfman and Dracula, Dracula looks different. Frankenstein has bolts on his forehead instead of on his neck like the Hammer films. You're right. And so I was like, "Oh, that's pretty interesting." But Stan Winston did the special effects in this movie. The chalk went up for Stan Winston. Like, uh, he's really good with what he does with creature effects. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. This movie, yes, it's kind of corny, but it's it's totally an homage to these original monster movies, which are a bit campy and cheesy, and that's totally what the nod is. It's not that this was a poorly made movie or... No, yeah. um, You know, bad effects, or I know there was one critique where they're like, this is like... They were using the cheap monster masks from a from a cheap Halloween store, and it's like, well, yeah, that was kind of the point because <laughs> they're copying right. they're copying these old movies, and you know they're not supposed to look absolutely perfect like some absolutely scary Dracula or Wolfman or you know, which is kind of funny because the Wolfman was actually modeled after Stan Winston, so apparently that's kind of what he looks like, <laughs> <laughs> but um. The only one I thought actually that looked really good was Gilman, which you like barely see him. He's like barely in the movie. And so the thing I think is hilarious is when they're like, okay, so Wolfman, like the coolest scene in the movie is when the, the, the dad, like, I think it's the dad, he puts the dynamite stick in the Wolfman's pants and like kicks him out the window and he just freaking blows up. And <laughs> right. he's just, it's just like, boom. And you're blows like, him in half. Right. Right. Like, and you're just like, oh dang, like okay that's that pretty freaking happened. cool yeah right and then and then the and the because aubrey and i we were talking we we're like well i guess if you like 
decapitated the wolf man then like he'd be dead but then that next scene he's like oh nope he comes back together and then he keeps going and i was like i guess that answers that right then the thing that's funny is it takes forever to kill the wolf man they finally kill him and then like Gilman, one shotgun blast to the chest and he's down. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> he's just like this is like a big imposing guy and then it's just like right. boom. He's like this yeah. probably the scariest looking I mean kind of the scariest looking one really like the face and everything. Right. And and just yeah, one one blast and he's done and dynamite couldn't even take out the wolf man, so Right. Cuz he's just it's so it's funny cuz the funny Gilman, on so many levels. So yeah, he's just like wrecking the the police guys, which is crazy. They're like not shooting him. They're all like trying to take him down. And right. Which by the way, the, this was shot in the same town area that Back to the Future was shot. So that clock in the I back, wondered about that cuz it looks I mean it's it's the town square. It looks exactly it is. It's the town square. It would have been cool if like they actually had a DeLorean in the background in one scene, but right. they, they didn't. But um yeah, but I was like, "Oh, that's cool." But the thing that's funny too is actually the Oh, dang it, I just blanked on his name. Um, who's the guy who plays Abe, Sapi- Abe Sapien from um, Hellboy? Uh, it's Doug something. Yeah. Good old Dougie okay. Doug. He's, he's Doug, awesome. Doug. So yeah. anyways, this is the first movie that he actually played a character. So he was uh, he was Gilman. And that, and that is not true. Wow. Sorry. I was looking up yeah. stuff. Uh, that is he's not even in this movie <laughs> no i was i was just going to imdb i'm like, wait a minute i nope, don't nope. think that's right sorry no he's in hocus pocus that was something else that i was studying so uh never mind hocus pocus check that out we'll we'll get to that movie next year right. so <laughs> <laughs> that would have been cool because he's uh tom woodruff jr was the guy that did Gilman. That's what it was, yeah. So this is his first movie playing as an in uh, a creature uh, creature feature type of character, and so he couldn't see very well in the suit. And so there's one part where he like swings around and he's fighting off the police, and he knocked out one of the stunt guys by accident. So like he literally like, <laughs> turned him around and clipped him right in the face, and the guy like oh dropped to the ground and was like out for like three seconds. And they were like, just keep rolling, and so. <laughs> So I guess that's in the movie. I didn't quite see it, but I think, oh, yeah, yeah. No, so there's one part where he's flailing around. You see one of the cops just drop, and that was the, the stunt guy. I forgot about that, but that it's that was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's uh, as far as the, the Gale Man goes, though, I did think of, well, when, I should say, when I was reading some of the little facts about the movie, and they were talking about him and doing the, that was his first time doing the, the creature acting and whatnot. I was thinking about. Darn it! I forgot to look him up. That's what I meant to do. Doug, what's his face? I'm gonna look that up that. right now. This is we got to give this guy props. He is so good. He is amazing. Uh, the Shape of Water, Pan's Labyrinth. Doug Jones. Uh, he's Doug Jones. He's in. Uh, oh, he's in the new Star Trek uh, series. Oh, is he? I didn't know that. CBS access, all access, whatever it is. Yeah, the guy is phenomenal. He his his body movement is just out of this world he's which is why he always gets these alien type roles because he's i don't know he's he's a swimmer and i guess i don't know he's like double jointed everywhere or something he's just absolutely right. fluid very and he's he's super lean too he's really thin yeah. so he works he can play a lot of really interesting characters right so, but he's a good actor too so it's not just oh yeah he's not just like uh, nothing against andre the giant but i mean andre the giant was big huge dude so he played big huge dude roles and you know, yeah. that's why we that's why we loved him. Great actor. Uh, he was funny. Right. But yeah. Doug Doug Jones, though, is like a legit actor for sure. Yeah, he definitely is. 
That was a great rabbit trail that I went on. So yeah, anyways, uh, Doug Jones is in Hocus Pocus. That's his first role. So anyway, <laughs> back to go. the Monster Squad. So yeah, let me go ahead and get back to my notes here. Let's see. Oh, this thing that's kind of cool is the two main kids. Well, I guess they're, you know, it's kind of funny. So the main kid, Andre Gower, um, his best friend actually in real life at the time was Robbie Kiger. I think that's how you say his name. So he actually was like, hey, can I have my best friend play my best friend in this movie? And they were like, right, sure. I don't, I don't know what the story is besides that. But yeah, so that's his, that was his best friend in real life. So that was pretty cool. That is cool. You definitely get yeah. That's real. It's not just on screen, you know, hey, they, those guys look like they're best friends. It's like, oh, they are best friends. So, yeah, that was right. They it was kind of like the reverse of when we were doing Sandlot and we were talking about how uh, the director had the Scotty and uh, other dude, Benny, actually come and work together for over a month before the rest of the kids, you know, cast showed up. And they actually thought they were best friends because they'd spent so much time together and got to know each other. So you kind of got that That's effect, awesome. but they were they were actually just friends that you know got to be on the movie together. Yeah, that that is pretty legit. I mean, how cool would that be? Like your kids, and then you're making a movie that basically is the equivalency of being Marvel fans in a new movie. Like if you grew up watching um, monster films, like you are a huge fan of all these movies. And Shane Black and Fred Decker were both big fans of these uh, these movies. So mm-hmm. that's that's where like the first time I watched it. I didn't know what to expect and it was so fast moving that I was like, where's the story? Where's the heart? You know, it's like Nacho Libre, where's the spices? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and where's the flavor? And, <laughs> and so with that though, the second time that I was watching it though, I just was like, I'm just going to watch this for what it is. And yeah. it's a fast moving, fun movie that doesn't take itself seriously. And it's not trying not, to. Not at all. And, no, that's, that's it right there. It's not trying to take itself seriously. And I think if, if you're looking at it with a very critical eye, like I think that the critics were at the time, mm-hmm. and of course they were, I mean that's that's what you get. I mean you see the the schlockiness of it and the cheesiness, and you're thinking, right. oh, this is just a cheap, terrible movie, and you completely miss the point that it's supposed to just be fun, total you know homage to these old movies. And then the thing that I love about it is that, like the Goonies, it's just this era of, and I guess it's spilled into the '90s. But when you were a kid, I mean, you, the world just seemed to be a safer place. You could run around. You, could, you and your friends could ride your bike miles from home, and your parents were cool with it, and you just showed up, you know, basically the, the old saying was, you know, come home when the streetlights come on. Right. I mean, and there's no, I wouldn't do that with my kids these days. There ain't no, no way. And I live in a pretty safe, I'd say very safe neighborhood. There's no way I would just be like, yeah, go ahead and disappear for Six four or five hours. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I know real. when I was a kid, I got to do that, and I, you know, that it's just times are different. So, anyways, it takes me back because there's that's kind of part of the magic of this movie is these group of kids that just get to run around and have all these adventures, and yeah, uh, and it was it was a believable thing. You you really got to kind of do that. So you see that in in the Goonies, which is another great you know adventure kind of movie, and it's got that same vibe here, which is very nostalgic, and it's a very very cool thing to experience yeah absolutely and it's kind of funny too like all of the posters that they had inside their treehouse i mean they had the terror they had zombie they had uh shoot what else did they have they had a bunch of different posters on there that godzilla and like i thought that was pretty funny because a lot of those movies are like pretty intense but honestly though the thing i love too is 
they made a joke i had to look it up to see like that didn't make sense but he's like i'm gonna go see groundhog day part 12 oh and yeah I was like i was like freaking <laughs> groundhog day with bill murray i was like i know that's, that's what i thought too first right and so i looked it up and they were like oh because at the time movie they were making horror movies about almost every holiday and that was like one of the only ones where they didn't so because like even like what shoot i forgot there's a movie that's like bloody valentine's day or something like that oh right yeah and um my bloody valentine and so that that's why they said groundhog day part 12 is like nobody had that one yet so that was the joke right. and i was like oh that's freaking funny like that makes sense that goes along with shane black's type of humor if you've seen his movies and so well, i just I, I just looked up i just googled groundhog day the movie that came out in 93 so this is hmm. absolutely a hilarious joke because there was no you know Obviously, you say Groundhog Day now. If you're at least at least as old as we are, you're thinking, you know, Bill Murray's comedy. But this, you know, this movie came out um, what a good six years before. Is that what it was? I guess so. Yeah. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, Eighty-seven. Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, that was uh, that was super hilarious. So they let's get into. Um, They've got they've got a lot of a ton of references to different horror movies in here. Like it's it's loaded. So it's Easter right. eggs galore. galore. Uh, one, the one galore. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's the second Princess Bride <laughs> reference today. <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, the one that I really like though is Have you seen the original Frankenstein movie? I I feel like I have. I I've seen at least bits and pieces of it. Uh, I there was like a a book on movie monsters at the library that I used to look at when I was a kid. So I know I've seen lots of still shots from it for sure. Right. I feel like I've seen it, but I I can't say for sure. We finally I ended up I just bought it randomly because I'd never seen it and I read the book and I was like, okay, I need to watch this. This is like a classic. Is that Boris film. Karloff. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we're watching it, and there's one scene in the movie that's uh, it's very different than the book. And so, uh, one scene though is the Frankenstein, he's just rambling around trying to figure out life. And so then he finds this little girl next to the pond, which is like Phoebe in this movie. Right. And so he's playing with her and he drowns her by accident. Cause he doesn't understand that like she can die and different stuff. And so right. he gets super distraught about that, that he, you know, killed this little girl by accident. So he goes on like a rampage. And so that's part of the reason people don't like frankenstein or the frankenstein's monster because technically they even talk about that that's not frankenstein that's frankenstein's monster right Um, and so in this movie though instead of him killing phoebe like they become best friends and so like that's a little like the nod to that movie which is pretty awesome right and that specific scene too which is cool and it's, it's just very sweet their little relationship is is adorable right and it's funny seeing Tom Noonan in this role. Every time I've seen him in like almost every other movie, he's always like a serial killer or somebody weird. And mm-hmm. in this movie, he does like he's like the one person who's awesome, which I thought it was a weird choice that they had him go into the void as well at the end. I totally thought they were ready to pull like a Harry and the Hendersons or something like all those 90 movies where he was just going to like live with the family from then on. And I think that would have honestly been a weirder cheesier better version instead of him going into the void because of his connection with the the little girl right and did they specifically say it has to be a female virgin in this movie so i was trying to remember that too because i saw in one of the little trivia things they didn't say it just said virgin that's what i I thought i think is i think they were just you could see it in their body language and everything they're just going on the assumption oh virgins means female 
Right. Even though that's a bunch of sexists. Not, <laughs> right. It's not not technically the the definition of the word. So yeah, any of those boys could have <laughs> could have done it. That's why they do that in, in Hocus Pocus. Like they don't, you know, like that's like one of the jokes is like uh, virgins are guys too. And so like that's one of the, I think that's what they do in that. Anyways. And so that's why I was like that. They missed a great joke. That would have been hilarious if like, yeah, yeah. like the, the, the like one of the boys has to read it instead. And I thought that was right. a little weird, weird that they had Phoebe do that. I just, I was just kind of like, she's like a freaking five-year-old. This kind of right. awkward situation. But anyways. Well, that, speaking of that, there is... There is a lot of sexual humor in this movie that mm -hmm. as junior high boys, that's, I mean, let's, let's be real. There's a lot. You talk about stuff you don't understand and there's a, there's a lot of that. And then right. um, also it just, I always forget how PG 13 movies in the eighties and even the early nineties just had way more, um, not over, I mean, kind of overtly sexual jokes and language and whatnot than right. you see in PG-13 movies today that are kind of aimed at kids. There's a lot less. I'd say they're more violent now than they were back then, but the language and the subject, uh, you know, the dialogue subject matter is way more crass. Um, they're throwing are you talking around about, a lot of... Huh? Are you talking about PG or PG-13? PG-13. Oh. It's PG-13, um, right? Yeah, it's rated PG-13. But I wonder if they back-rated it, though. When did this? Oh, movie? that could be. Because, it came out in '87. Yeah, because I thought Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie because of Temple of Doom, and um, there's a couple other movies that came out around the same time, and that's when Steven Spielberg was like really pushing for them to have another rating because he got so much flack on Temple of Doom being like a super violent movie for kids because it is. It's freaking violent. Sure. And I right. love it. But yeah, <laughs> I know. No, but I I think you're right. Uh, but but that's true because I remember watching. Uh, what was it Harry and the Hendersons? And I think that's PG. Yeah. But they drop a fair amount of like strong language in it for a PG movie. And like PG movies today don't have any language in it for the most part. I don't even think they say hell or no, anything they, like that. They'll, they'll say that um, in PG movies. But like, yeah, no, like yeah, PG movies in the 80s basically meant this could be G or PG 13, like cl almost R. Like you didn't know right. what you were getting. Like 16 Candles has like full on nudity in it. And so, um, like, yeah, this movie though doesn't hold back. They have definitely have some a fair amount of, of sexual right. stuff in it. But and it's just and it's not like I don't think it has anything to do with this movie in particular. I just think no. it's it's just movies in that time period. Absolutely. Uh because even like the there's a lot of homophobic I, I noticed that slurs. Like Dude, they like, they say some stuff that would not fly today at all. I mean, I, I kinda kinda took me back a little bit. It's like you can't say that. Oh right. well, you know. But I mean it's I covered my dog's like ears. <laughs> <laughs> it's like when i was a kid and we played smear the queer i didn't even know what a queer was right for the longest time and then you're like uh, i think mom finally was like yeah it's a homosexual and you're oh like my gosh. oh i didn't even figure that out i forgot that's about that it's hateful a, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're like that's not good that's totally no right? yeah <laughs> so yeah i totally I actually had that in my notes i was like within the first like 15 minutes i was like there's a bunch of gay slurs in this movie right and the thing is though unfortunately that was totally like totally normal like it was exactly it was acceptable so, i'm sure i said those words too when yeah. i was a kid not knowing what it meant and yeah just that's, that's just how it was so i mean some of that stuff is definitely a little bit dated obviously you know, it is wise but you have to watch that's the thing too with any movie that is older you have to watch it with the context of when it was released because like right. you can't judge 
older movies. Well, that's the conversation I, uh, I was having with a friend of mine. Um, there's, I'm trying to think. There's, so there's a, there's a movie that's called, um, I'm going to cut this out. I'm trying to think. What's the name of that movie? Oh, okay. So there's a movie that's called Birth of a Nation, which came out in 1915. And that movie oh, is, right. like, that's like the first real movie that, that had like three reels. It was long. It was super epic. And in that movie, the Ku, the Ku Klux Klan is, are the good guys. And are the heroes, right. They're the heroes. And so like that. And the black people are the villains. Yeah. And they're, they're not all, even black people. They're white people yeah, in blackface. It's, exactly. And it's so. One yeah. of the most racist it's, pop culture movies ever <laughs> it's super racist and like the president at that time woodrow wilson was like hey you know like this movie is such a good american film and so the thing is though that movie this is the context though it's like that movie was a, a breakthrough point in cinema history like that movie did right. so many different things that it had never done before but it's extremely racist so like do we throw that film away because of that so that's like the ongoing conversation right. with that so that's a terrible example to use, I guess. <laughs> well, no, but it's it's not. It's it's extreme, but that's uh, it's true. I mean, I feel like as far as film history goes, it's worth it's definitely worth watching. I mean, you you watch it with the eye of you know those things are wrong, obviously, and you're not you're not celebrating what's going on in that movie in that story, but right. I mean, it is history, and obviously, you also want to pay attention so that we don't inadvertently. Do it again. I mean, that's that that whole saying of you know your the past is doomed to repeat itself. You know, so if you erase it, I totally butchered that saying. But yeah, if you erase <laughs> if you erase history, you're gonna repeat it, right? Unless you keep reminding yourself what happened in history. So yeah, that is a uh, so watching it's, this it's movie, a sad part of film history. It was it is yeah, like you said, it was it was a breakthrough. But it's sad that that was the subject matter. That was the subject in that matter movie, which today doesn't fly, and so which is kind of why they. The, that's exactly why they did that movie about Nate Turner and they named the movie a birth of the uh, birth of the nation. They did that on purpose to take back that name. And I was like, right. Oh, that's pretty cool. So yeah. when regarding with this movie, like those, the gay slurs in this movie does, they don't fly, but at the same time, like that, that wasn't, uh, that the, was common, that common was, language. Unfortunately, that was common unfortunately. language. Yeah. yeah. So it did surprise me though. Yeah, I know. But bringing it back around uh, to what you said earlier, as far as this movie is, it's full of monster stuff. It's yeah. everywhere you look, almost every scene. It's either either the way the scene is shot. It's it's a tribute to a, a famous scene in another movie. There's uh, one of the kids is wearing a Stephen King rules T-shirt. Which yeah. I would love to get that shirt. I know. <laughs> I saw that. And I, and I was, was like, like, I ah, need that I shirt. Love that. I know. <laughs> And there's just and every little thing. I mean, they don't ever they don't ever mention Stephen King, but he was especially in the '80s. I mean, that guy was oh, he's, know, on he's, fire. he's still the king as far as horror goes in my book. But back then, especially, there was nobody bigger than Stephen King in the you know horror right uh, literature genre, or even his movies. I mean, the movies were were massive back then, so that was very cool. Yeah, no, that was, and also I wrote down to um, another thing was there's a guy that is wearing looks like a Freddy Krueger shirt, like the same color, same styles. Uh -huh. I don't think that was an accident. I would be surprised if it was an accident. Yeah, because there's so many nods. I mean, I mean, tons of nods to you know famous stuff. Yeah, I famous that, monster stuff. I thought that was awesome. Also, too, yeah. like the part when uh, somebody calls asking for about the uh, the Van Helsing story, and they're like Alucard called or whatever, and he's got that written on there, and he looks down and he's like writing it out, and then he writes the name back backwards, and it's actually Dracula backwards. Uh -huh. I was like, oh, I actually knew that from Castlevania watching that show. Nice. And so 
I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, though. They have that little thing in there. Obviously, they came up. Well, actually, no. Castlevania, never mind, was around at that time on the original Nintendo. So, huh. maybe that, maybe they tied that in there, too. That'd be, That'd be cool. cool if they did. Uh, the thing I love, too, is like one of the first scenes when Dracula comes back is the blatant bats on strings behind him. And they're like, yes. And I was like, oh, that's so awesome. And then, yeah. Also, too, that's another throwback. So they have armadillos instead of rats. And that's a throwback to the original movie. They didn't have rats. They had armadillos because that's all they could afford. So they did that on purpose in this movie. Right, because I remember seeing that. I'm like, what the heck? There's no armadillos in Transylvania. (laughs) Not realizing that that's why that was there. I mean, it's so brilliant. Such a cool right tip of the hat you know and so the thing that got me to is i was looking this up and so the rat the the rat squeaks was actually guinea pig squeaks which i had a guinea pig when i was a little kid and i was like oh that makes sense because rats don't make a ton of noise and so guinea pigs are super noisy though so that was that that i was like oh that's funny so then anytime the rats were or armadillos were squeaking i was like oh that brings me back that's awesome right they also Dude, they cut... Okay, so this movie, they cut 13 minutes out of this movie because the producers were like, no, it has to be 90 minutes because we have to show this as many times as we can in theaters, which is like right. why Avengers, people were like concerned that it was three hours long that like, could we actually make our money? Obviously, they could. <laughs> <laughs> Not a problem, folks. Right. Not a problem. So they cut out 13 minutes. There's like tons of deleted scenes in this, apparently, which is do pretty you, crazy. Uh, I, do you own this one? I don't actually know. I had to rent this movie. Yeah, me too. I it makes I would buy this one for sure. We're getting ahead of ourselves though. We we certainly are. Well, we're not too far ahead. It's almost yeah. yeah. We're we're getting close there. Okay. Oh, one thing I was gonna say, just and we we're kind of referencing it inadvertently, but the comedic editing of this movie yes is so good. Yes, it's it's I feel it's really good, and it, it that's part of the the pacing too because it it doesn't drag. I mean, it it moves right along. It. It's definitely, you know, a great kids movie in that regard. Uh, I say yeah. that, you know, not necessarily in regard to the subject matter, because it did kind of take me back on like the amount of sexual dialogue and the language and whatnot. Yeah, they had no problem in the 80s of like letting the kids just swear up a storm. Right. And I thought the 90s were bad as a kid. And like looking back, Sandlot has like almost no swearing in it. And right. I thought that was like a horrible film when I was a little kid. You know, that's what I heard. <laughs> so, so many bad words. In right. It. So many rebellious children. And right. So <laughs> and it's like not even close to this movie. Which... No, this movie, they're like, Ugh. but um, <laughs> so now real quick, I love that they have a reference to the Hardy Boys in this because we, you and me grew up reading the Hardy Boys. That's like some right. of the only, yeah, some of the books we were allowed to read. And I was like, that's what I, I freaking loved it because you never talk about the Hardy Boys in movies, you know? Uh, yeah. I mean, people, I don't think kids these days really know about them at all anymore. I mean, maybe they've revised them into some kind of modern thing, but. Yeah, they tried yeah. with Nancy Drew multiple times, but. Yeah, I think. Actually, I think, there there is a whole new series of Nancy Drew books. Um I yeah our uh trinity's brother's daughter loves them but they've they've kind of they're all new stories but it's nancy drew but it's it's you know at that i don't know five to seven year old age or something like that yeah but she loves them apparently they're they're good reading if you're that age hey there you go so yeah we reference yeah we we give you you listeners all kinds of great tips on you know five to seven year olds (laughs) nancy drew Check out the new Nancy Drew series. <laughs> Sponsored by? No. Um, <laughs> no one. Right? <laughs> you think we're getting paid? <laughs> right. Anyway. Well, I was going to point out the uh, 
it, this movie's funny because there are elements of I feel it being kind of a I feel like there's points where it does very much feel like a cheap knockoff of Goonies and not a lot but like the kid Horace they call him fat kid I know I was what dude, kind of a nickname is that I know I said that to my wife I was like what kind of I was like at least they call him chunk in the Goonies you know I was that's like, what I mean I mean that yeah. that's a nickname fat kid that's I've never the, called or heard anybody called I've heard like fatty or like all kinds yeah. of other things fat kid that's the best you could do like that's what on. I mean it's like there was like they completely just drew a blank zero imagination on that <laughs> I mean, maybe they're trying to do that to point out like how like how cruel that is. So I don't think so. Maybe, I think that was just I mean, lazy it, writing. Yeah, I agree. I feel like he should have had a cool nickname. I'm scary German guy. That was the other one. It was kind of like, uh, actually, I, that's, I, I like that because I like the line. And I agree. You, I came back around eventually. I was like, ah, I get it. That kind of works with the, you know who his character was and everything and as kids how we, how would you see him he's the scary german guy you know that well, he's the, I, the unknown foreigner and as a little right. kid when people you don't know stuff you're afraid right and but then like they bring it around where he's like the super sweet guy and he's like do you need more pie and right. then <laughs> and then freaking fat and he kid saves, Horace. helps them save the day you know he's oh he's detrimental to the plot without him we'd be ruled by dracula right now would be the forever exactly. night because they wouldn't know how to read german right and yeah, but like th- that was another thing too. My wife and I like too, where he's like, "No, I have." He's like, "I know monsters," and he closes the door, and it's a one shot scene, and you see his tattoo yeah. from Auschwitz, and you're like, "Oh snap!" Like, yep. this dude's like legit, like, which is kind of confusing. Like, why does he have the tattoo? So he must have been a Jewish German. But anyways, well, yeah, um, no, he is exactly. But did that's they, did they address that in the movie? I don't remember if they did. No, they never do. But they just they. It's a very serious little drop to i mean i think that was obviously aimed at adults because if you're a kid right. you just you have no idea you're like oh numbers yeah on his arm okay but a- absolutely as an adult you're like oh monsters yeah. you're yep. like oh dude yeah and i thought that was great yeah um, it was very cool it was yeah. and it automatically because at first you're like i don't know this guy seems kind of creepy and then as soon as you see that you're just instant sympathy and you're like wow this guy's seen some stuff that's true that's a good point so my favorite line out of this movie is when but Phoebe just keeps bugging the main guy and he's trying to talk and then he finally turns to her and he's like, Phoebe, handle life. <laughs> and then like moves on. Like, even though my wife and I didn't finish this movie the first time we watched it, we literally quote that that one line every now and then we'll be like, we'll be like, Aubrey, handle life or Jeremy, handle life. And like start busting up because it's just funny, that line. Yeah. So um, there's a lot of good one liners in this movie for sure. There is. Yeah, Absolutely. So the one thing too I want to talk about is uh, Dracula. So Dracula is the only guy in this movie I feel that like plays it straight, where he's like straight up villain. He is not funny. Yeah. He is he is actually the villain because even the Wolfman's like kind of goofy and the whole like joke around like you know he's got his <laughs> wolf dork and like you right. know Wolfman's got Nards and all this stuff you know like and so like just. All that's kind of played for laughs, um, and then right. Dracula. Same, though. same with the mummy. Right. Oh yeah. yeah, the mummy scene was awesome when they like freaking, yeah, like tie him to the tree, and then they're driving off, and he freaking unravels. I was just like, right. that's so. No, funny. no, no. They they tie part of the the wrapping to the arrow, shoot that to the tree, and right. Was... Yeah. Oh man, I loved it. I thought that was so funny when I saw that. I was like, that's right. the smart thing. That's the smart uh, screenplay right there. You know, how do we right. get rid of the mummy? 
Because that's, to me, that's kind of like something a kid would think of. It's like, oh, we'll just unravel them like toilet paper, you know? Right. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Um, so the thing that was interesting, too, is like uh, I got a little bit of information here is that in 2006, Wizard Magazine made a list of, uh, of the 100 greatest villains of all time. And Dracula from this movie made number 30 on the list. And it was this this uh, performance that Duncan Rager actually did over Christopher Lee, over uh, Bela Lugosi. Like, this is this was the one that actually everybody, over Frank Langella. How do you say his name? Langella. Anyways. Um, this was the one that was the most menacing. And I agree because like the scene yeah. where Dracula is like kind of faces off his dad the first time he, he literally just like his dad tries to shoot him and he just looks at him and then he's like, Oh, I'm needed elsewhere. Like he doesn't care about right. the dad. Like he's nothing to him. So he's just like, right. I'm just going to like, he doesn't even try. Cause like in any other movies, he'd be like, I'm going to kill you. But he's like, no, you don't even matter to me. So I'm just going to, you're right. an aunt. You're like, not, I'm you're not leave. worth the effort to try to take the time to kill you. He's, he's that above humans which right. is pretty menacing did you see the the fact about uh the scene when he's uh facing off with phoebe at the end of the movie oh and yeah he, he grabs her so apparently for the, the entirety of this movie um the, the actress that played phoebe the little five-year-old girl she was terrified of dracula when he had his red contacts in and the fangs so they never had that had him, any of the scenes with her he never had them in until the very last scene where she she has to scream when she when she sees him or he's trying to strangle her however the scene went uh, and at that point he had that contacts in and the and the fangs opens his eyes you know mouth opens and the fangs and her screaming is her actual scream of fear like oh, legit yeah. terror which yes kind of brilliant and i also think that's kind of a dick move to do that to a little kid i mean that's that's nightmare material for a long time. Well, that's like, <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, that's not as bad, but that's like Natalie Portman from uh, the professional where they like sprayed this, like they were like, can you cry on command? And she's like, no, cause she's like 10 in that movie. And they right. sprayed this like filmy stuff in her eyes that made her eyes hurt and like basically cry. And so then after that, she was like, I can cry on command. And I was just <laughs> like, <laughs> just don't spray me in the eyes like, with that stuff. I was like, dang man, that's crazy. But, um, yeah, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, we're running out of time here on this one. So, yep. do you have anything else you want to comment? I could actually talk about this movie for... for cool. There's a lot to talk about this movie. It's so. it's really fun. I mean, just... That, the last thing I put in my notes is, so fun. Because it, <laughs> it, it, it is. I mean, there, it's just... Yeah. Every every little scene has something that's either nostalgic, it's a cool throw, you know, nod to... I say nostalgic as in the 80s or being a kid and then there's the you know all the the nods and and uh to monsters and monster culture yeah. horror culture and uh and then plus just some really fun you know acting it's it just top to bottom i think it's a it's a hidden gem that i wish and i think it has over over the last like you said when the blu-ray came out i think it right. finally opened the door because that's probably about the time that i saw it yeah come to think of it and or at least when it came out on dvd so that, I, I think it's going to start to become more and more, you know, popular of a thing. I think so too. I think it's finally made its way into like this is one of those classic Halloween movies you watch, and it took what thirty years for it to finally become that. That's right. a long time. That's that's like, yeah, that's like basically as an artist, you died before you ever saw your stuff become super famous. Like right. So I uh, yeah. So jumping into uh, final verdicts. Um, 
Did the, Josh, do you think this movie hit the mark when it came out? I, I would have to say no. Because <laughs> <laughs> considering they pulled it, right? pulled it from theaters in two weeks and then... You know, whenever they release it on, on VHS, I'm sure. But, I mean, this was... There's I think the studio one, wrote this off as a complete dud. Yeah, it is one release on VHS. And then it was like 15 years later, they released it on DVD. And and then that's when it started tracking Steam. But, like, yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I give it an F. Uh, this movie yeah. bombed hard. Yeah. I was thinking a D at first, but that's too generous. That's me wanting the movie to have been accepted back then. But no, I, it was a straight F, I think. Right. When it came out. Yeah. Just people not realizing what they were seeing. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and I wonder I wonder if some of that, like, I don't, I haven't seen, I, I didn't pull up on YouTube the, the trailer for the movie, but I'm wondering how it was marketed. If it was, that's if it true. really had a strong Goonies vibe. Because, it, yes, it's, it's Goonies-esque, but... It's it's really not the Goonies as far as you know the monsters and the on purpose kind of cheesiness. I think that it's just the reason they say it's the Goonies is because it's a group of kids, but on an adventure doing you know right. crazy stuff. But they're not even on an adventure more. They're just like it's it's more about the monsters. It takes a long time for this movie to set up the the story, and then the story is pretty simple. It's like get the right. amulet and banish them, and right. like the Goonies is like consistently an adventure like moving on and there's people chasing them and stuff. Um, So I don't even think this movie is too Goonies-ish, but I agree. I'm really interested. I didn't look into that to see, yeah, what was the marketing aspects of this film? That would be interesting. But I agree with you. I think then it was definitely an F. So what do you think about now? How about, how about its relevance now? What do you say? Uh, I'd give it, uh, I'd give it a, actually this is harder than I, uh, um, so I'm going to give it a, a C because I don't know anybody actually that likes this movie and I've just seen like a little bit more information about it coming out over time. I know it's gaining popularity because the eighties right. are so hot. The eighties are so hot right now. And so, <laughs> um, <laughs> that Hansel and so, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's, I definitely think it's gaining steam and in the, I, um, it's definitely becoming a Halloween. It's a Halloween cult classic. It's not a Halloween classic yet. So I give it a C. Right. What about you? Uh, I give it a B just because I know, uh, I know people. Some of my friends in Sacramento. Yeah. Uh, my my friends Denise and Kyle. They were they were big on. Oh, this is a great movie. You're gonna love it. And that's um, why we watched it with our little you know movie club back in the day. So, um, and there were several of several people actually in that little group that knew about it. And then I was even talking to some friends uh, here at work, and uh, they were aware of it. And they're like, Oh yeah, I gotta see that movie. So I I would give it a B. Cool. But probably somewhere between there. Yeah. All right. Personal enjoyment, Josh. How did you uh, like this movie? I give it a B, even a B plus. B plus. Yeah, I think there it was fun. You, there you go. Um I I think I'm gonna give it a C plus because cool. I, I liked it actually. I enjoyed it this time. It's fun. Um it's Well def- considering you went from not finishing it to actually enjoying it, I mean <laughs> that's a pretty big you might like it even more next time. <laughs> right. Yeah, absolutely. It could be. It could be one of those movies. Like, I, I definitely, I, I'd watch this again for sure. So, it's not a bad movie. It definitely hits the mark um, in what it was trying to go for. I think just people just didn't didn't want that at the time or, I don't know, sure. marketed bad. Could be a John Carter of marketing scheme where it was, like, marketed horribly. So, yeah. I'm not sure. Um, all right. Is it a midnight watch? For me, it is. I think if this, yeah, there's just a lot of 
a lot of parts in this movie. If it came on, I'd I'd want to finish it off. So, hey, that's a yes for me, Jeremy. Good. I'm glad you liked it. I was gonna because I was like, I feel like it is a midnight watch. It's not a midnight watch for me. But I can totally see, though, that it would be a midnight watch for other people, though. You know? Yeah. Like, it's got that feel. It's got, we it's proved, got what We you just need. proved your point. There you go. There you You're go. welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. That wraps up today's episode, guys. If you want to check out the movie, it's uh, it's out there. No. <laughs> I, I rented it on Amazon. What about you? I did as well, actually. Nice. Four bucks. Totally worth it. Yeah, uh, it was worth four bucks. And some of these movies we've rented, and it's like, uh, it was cool, but I don't <laughs> think it was worth four bucks. Right. I, even though I, I will say, I don't think we've reviewed a movie yet that is like, I wish I had that time back. So, no. And let's be honest, folks. I don't know that we're really ever going to review movies like that because we don't want to waste our I, time. <laughs> kind of. There's just a lot of movies that we love, and that's what we want to talk about are the movies we love. And, and, and if I say, you know, like in our our tagline, we've said love to hate, it's got to be that it's so bad, it's good kind of a way, I guess. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. Yeah. One of us, unless we go in blind, I know we have a couple movies set up that neither of us have seen that we're going to go in blind and watch. That's different. But right. uh, so that's going to be pretty fun. Special thanks to our sound producer, Jake Colon. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you shared with your friends or anyone you think, friends or family, anyone or, or enemies, you know, and anyone you think that would like it. Absolutely. Uh, please subscribe to the podcast if you listen on, uh, well, actually, any, any platform, there's a subscribe button you can hit. So please do that. We'd love a five-star rating or so on Apple Podcast. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcast. Uh, you name it, we're probably there. And uh, we're on social media. We're on Facebook and Instagram. We got a pretty, pretty happening Instagram page. Oh yeah. Right now, uh, I, I don't know. I think we're putting up some fun stuff. If you like fun, fun artwork having to do with these movies, I, I tend to put a lot of that up. So, and if you want to contact us with the old email, hit us up at the Midnight Watch Podcast at gmail dot com. That's right. So yeah, we are we are killing it on Apple. Actually, uh, we need more people to review. So, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, if you'd like this, like seriously, though, we really appreciate it, though. If you could re- leave us a review on Apple, that's like the main place that we get uh, we get uh, reviews and we get uh, ratings. So it's really actually means a lot to us if you guys would just rate it or leave us a review. That'd be fantastic. So thank you guys so much. You have an awesome week. And as always, keep up the watch. Keep up the watch.